ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Claws to the Wall. I am your host, Isaiah Garner. You know how we do, and you know who I'm joined by. Kobe Jackson, Justin Brown. We got a couple things to get to y'all today. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lively show. You know, cause you know I got a lot to say. You know, other people got a lot to say. And I just just a little preview. I just want to told you I'm I'm right. When I'm right, I'm right. When I'm right, I'm right. I was wrong on the on the prediction part, but I'm right in everything else. What I've been trying to preach to y'all for the last couple of months. But before we get into that, you know where we're going to start. And I just want to say what a phenomenal day yesterday was for Texas State oh, yeah. Bobcats. Oh, yeah. Texas State Bobcat baseball team, you know, just kind of, you know, at home. You know, just did a little something slight, you know. Played a Big 12 team in Baylor, you know, another Texas team. You know, just kind of whooped them 11-4. to 4. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. You know, just a, little, just a little lightweight. They just had to, you know, they just had to remind everybody who they was and, and what they about. So I wanted to get y'all reactions to it because I mean, hey, we we talked about it last week. We talked about hey that that little that little loss to to Georgia Southern. That's not what they needed, you know. Even though it was kind of close, it's, I don't feel like it was a loss they should have had. So they clearly was listening to us because then they came <laughs> back and dropped eleven on Baylor. So y'all, uh, Kobe, I'll, I'll, I'll take it to you. How you feel about that last uh, last night's win? They redeemed themselves. Mm-hmm. They absolutely redeemed themselves. And this was an interesting fact because they were on a three-game losing streak in midweek games. Mm-hmm. So their last three losses in midweek have come to, like, non-conference teams. But they redeemed themselves. And they redeemed themselves big time because they big beat another Big 12 team in the, se- in the season. So, but again, they they came back. They got, they got their runs going. You know, Justin Thompson – Jose Gonzalez, Wesley Faison, they all stepped up, all hitting solo shots and stuff in the game. So, like I said, they redeemed themselves. But there was still a little bit of issue with pitching because I believe Texas State had, I think, about maybe five pitchers go in that game. Uh Um, I know Tony Roby was the closer, who's usually usually the starter mostly. But, um, you know, they got after it. But uh, whoever – I want to say it was Sungrad that was the starter – um, he only went about a good two innings, and then after that, it was just all after the bullpen. But they kept it low, you know. You know, four run, uh, four to eleven to four. That's not bad if you look at just the box score. But I know Coach Stroud was probably you know saying to himself, "Hey, bullpen's got to get better." You know, we're lucky that our bats were flying out the yard. So, uh, but I mean, like I said, it was a great win for them. Uh, way to bounce back in midweek because they know we know they or. They know that they've been getting a lot of criticism, especially since the fact that they were ranked at number 10 nationally. Now they're ranked at number 19 now. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm glad they got back on their winning st- on their winning stage. But now they got another conference uh, series this weekend against UTA. So uh, let's see if they can bounce back in a big conference play. Plus, there will be in Arlington. So we'll see where this goes. Yeah, Kobe, I think you touched everything perfectly. I just wanted to say that 
you know, after suffering two losses at home against Georgia Southern, they are in need of response. And especially after losing conference games three weeks, I mean, out of conference games three weeks in a row, they realize that they have to make up for those losses now. Mm -hmm. We cannot have this become a common occurrence. The Bobcats did not want this to become a common occurrence. So they, what did they do? They performed their best at home and they beat a Big 12 team 11 to 4. And that's possible by back to back home runs from Jose Gonzalez, Justin Thompson, Wesley. Faison. These home runs did amazing things for this team. We had 13 hits and 11 runs because of it. Mm-hmm. And that's compared to the four four runs and the eight hits that the, the Baylor Bears had. So this team really performed quite well, and they made up for that bullpen rotation with those hot bats, like you said, Kobe. So they knew they needed a respond, and they did it properly. And if I'm UTA, I'm shivering in my boots seeing this team come <laughs> my way. They're going to beat an 11. They beat the Baylor Bears, a Big 12 team that has been dominant in recent years in baseball, oh, yeah. 11 to four, and they're coming to your house in Arlington, I would be scared. Yeah, absolutely. So I also wanted to ask you another question. So going into this conference series, you know, um, on the road in Arlington, Texas, what – because I don't think I've ever asked this. What do you all think – because we know they've had a great season. We know, you know, they're top-notch, but, again, three straight losses to out-of-conference teams, that series loss. What do you all want to see going into this series? What what is the one thing that you feel like you want to see – going forward in order for them to continue this momentum and kind of reestablish themselves as like, you know. Well, I mean, they should get back to what they did in the beginning of the season. You know, going back, you know, you know, keeping their bullpen strong because I know this this season kind of has been the story of the bullpen if you really look at it. You know, a lot of young guys, you know, getting their chance to be, work on the mound and everything. Their bats are fine. I mean, we clearly saw that this past weekend within the Georgia Southern Series, and obviously we saw it last night against uh, Baylor. So, honestly, if they keep doing, like, what they did this past season to get to that that nine-winning streak, then they'll be fine, you know. But it's not going to be easy because, like I said, any conference series that you're in, it's not easy. It is not easy. Don't think that it's going to be a cakewalk. No, 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 no. As long as they keep doing, get their bats aggressive like they did last night against the, and against Georgia Southern this past weekend, then they'll be fine, I think. So, let's see, let's see where this goes. But I'm hoping that's the key. Yeah, I think you hit it exactly on the head, Kobe, because that that whole weekend that we saw with Georgia Southern, that was a bullpen matchup. Basically, the some of the issues that we had and a lot of the runs that were scored were due to us having pitchers on the mound that mm-hmm. we don't even usually have because we ran out of so many due to the extra inning games. So our rotation was really adjusted. So we need to get back to our rotation that we know works for the Bobcats, and that's what they're going to need to do if they want to be dominant this weekend. Also, timely hitting is very important in this game. You cannot let another team get out to a huge lead in the first of the three innings, and you can't just mm-hmm. start getting hot in the eighth. We need to be hot throughout, and that's what they were against the Bears, so I think that's a good sign going into this weekend. But yeah, you have to have timely hitting. You have to have your bullpen working the way it is, and like that, I think this team is going to continue to surprise people. I love watching players step up when they're unexpected, like mm-hmm. Wesley Faison yesterday and Jose Gonzalez the other day with that beautiful walk-off hit um, against Georgia Southern that final game of the series. I think their response to adversity is what they need to continue to do here, and they will continue to win games. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing I wanted to touch on, and then y'all can kind of comment that if y'all want to, but I'm just kind of looking at, like, you know, Series loss they had, their out-of-conference losses, Incarnate Word, uh, A&M. Um, I believe they lost to Sam Houston as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had touched on in other shows where, like, either they get out to early runs and then trying to come back late mm-hmm. or – 
they held him early and then trying to and then they trying to keep it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Trying to hold on to it, mm-hmm. like uh, they're trying not to lose as opposed to trying to win. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, I mean, we talk about inconsistency a lot on this show. Do y'all feel like maybe, like they, I'm not saying they've done it all season, but you think mm-hmm. maybe during this stretch, they maybe weren't playing. They were playing compared to their competition. Like you know that phrase, like well, sometimes they'll play down to their competition because like oh, like there's losses. I, like I different see. adjustments. Yeah, like yeah. there's losses I see here that I feel like they shouldn't have. I mean, obviously you can't win them all. Nobody's oh, of perfect. Course not. But I see a couple losses here, like especially for me that incarnate word that Sam Houston, and then that first loss or the two the two losses against Georgia Southern. Granted, they're a top team in the conference, but mm-hmm. um, to me, I just feel like sometimes maybe. We'll be good, and then we'll get into that game where we're not playing Texas State baseball. We're of course. playing down to the competition, not mm-hmm. trying to discredit those other teams, but I feel like Texas State kind of plays down and doesn't stay at – like they don't make people come up to their level. Right, kinda, of course. Uh, settle mm-hmm. and, and simmer down to other people's level, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I would say that, yes, that's usually been the case with uh, these these losses that are way you would not expect. Like, for example, that Sam Houston State game. Uh, they came off a great series win to Coastal Carolina, and then they had that happen, and, and that was not expected. And then UIW, um, and, and they're also that was also unexpected. Um, and it really came down to just, like, you cannot become complacent, and you have to play the brand of baseball that you know works best. This team, the Texas State Bobcats, beat UT, the number one team in the nation at the time. And if you beat them, there's no excuse for why you should lose these teams that are not going to be ranked in any decade soon. And then I so, think they have, like, three ranked wins, like, across. Like, when they were unranked, I think they have, like, three ranked wins across the entire season. Yeah, and, and so, you know, sometimes the ranking can get to your head and you can not perform the best. But I think, um, you know, they, they. I think yesterday was the first time that I saw the Bobcats – make someone try to play at their level. Mm-hmm. That was so impressive. Baylor was not expecting that. Baylor was just like, I'm going to play. You know, they're, they're, they're yeah, like, oh, we're Baylor. Big 12, baby. Yeah. We're Big 12. No. Texas State played their brand of baseball and left mm-hmm. Big 12 Baylor standing there confused because they were down and they lost 11-4 to mm-hmm. because of that confusion. So I don't think, um, you know, I think this Bobcat team is starting to get in its groove and hopefully when they go to UTA, UTA is going to be trying to claw its way into that game and Bobcats will be running it all over. Yeah, but this was kind of alluding to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, when they started off the season sweeping Ohio State, obviously a non-conference or non-conference, but it was a big-time team, and it was one in one of the biggest conferences, the Big Ten. So when I look at that series, and then when I look at what they're doing now, it's almost like there's like a relapse. You know, mm-hmm. there's not there's not a lot of chemistry that they had in the beginning of the season like they had like they're having now. Mm-hmm. Now I understand, you know, obviously. We always go back to that Georgia Southern series because it was so high. It was always high scoring. You only had you know one extra inning game, but that was honestly their closest you know brand of baseball that they were playing all season up until you know up until that. But um, if they can, like I said, if they can keep this going, keep the way they keep playing baseball like how they should, mm-hmm. then they'll be fine. You can't have those type of games where you have to match your opponent. No, 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 no. If you play your style of, of, of a game, no matter if it's football or basketball, and if it keeps working for you, you stay with that plan. You know, so that's that's the that's the approach you got to that you have to attempt to. So, but like I said, if you keep it going, keep the way you've been playing all year, 
then you'll be fine. You will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, could uh, I could I have one more? Point yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I just think that Georgia Southern series. I know we keep mentioning it, but I feel like that series was the first series that the Bobcats really worked. Oh yeah. Like and oh and yeah. I, 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 you saw them really put all their effort into get that game in the when that was, game was in the extra innings to continue it on. I mean, we saw so many performances. We saw Stivers in that last game. You know, we had runners all on base. He only allowed one runner to score, and then Jose Gonzalez took care of the game the next inning. So it, we just saw some the Bobcats really having to. work work for their wins and mm-hmm. that struggle and that that Georgia Southern they have an amazing coaching program so that team it was really hard and now after coming off of that and working so hard they can just play their brand of baseball without those limitations because Baylor Bears were not expecting a team to be that focused to come out on the field and that's what happened and mm-hmm. then Bobcats get that win so I mean it's just I'm excited to see what they can do with the CTA series no yeah abs- absolutely and, and you kind of hit it on the head that they had to work for it and going into, you know, towards the end of the year, because we know we're not trying to uh, – they're not trying to look ahead, but Georgia State's sitting at the end. That's mm-hmm. that last conference series, and they're, oh, yeah. I believe, first in the first in, first in the conference, first in conference right now, and Texas State is right up under them. Um, you, you said it perfectly. Um, the fact that they had to work for it, I've, I've always been a believer that if you have to work harder for your wins, that's going to help you when it comes to crunch time because now you know how to win mm-hmm. when, exactly. you know, the air gets tighter – you know, mistakes are, uh, you know, the room for error is a, li- is a little less than what it usually is with the regular season. You know, that high-pressure atmosphere. If you can win games like this now, you know, even even in the loss, like even though I didn't expect them to lose, it's not like they were getting blown out. It's not like they – it's not like they – like you said, they were playing Texas State brand of baseball. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate. And I don't think we've seen that since the UT series. Oh, yeah. Personally, yeah. we have not seen a Texas State brand of baseball since the UT series mm-hmm. up until this one, and unfortunately, they didn't come out at the other end of it. But I think they're getting back to. I think they kind of looked at this as like, look, we shouldn't have lost this series, but this is probably the best series we've performed since. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. with the, with that mindset, they're probably sitting there like, okay, we did what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Even though we lost, we know we know who we are. Mm-hmm. We know what we're capable of. Stop looking at the rankings. Don't think of nothing else. Let's just get back to playing our brand of baseball. Mm-hmm. And let's do what we need to do to go win this conference. So um, I've def- uh, I definitely see that improvement as well. I just I wanted to see where y'all thought because, again, some of them losses earlier, we were just kind of sitting here like, I mean, they're really not playing, you know, how we kind of – I mean, again, you can't win them all, but even in some of the losses, it's like, but I mean – Either your pitching's great and you're and you're just not hitting the ball, or it's the vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that up and down thing I felt was going to be a problem going later on down the line if they didn't fix it. Right. So their next series will be um, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in at UT Arlington. Um, so I don't think it's being broadcasted anywhere. So we will be back here next week to recap that series and um, talk about them. Um, unfortunately, so moving on, the softball team did not get to play their game against Baylor. It did get canceled because of a weather storm warning, so we didn't get to see them. I believe their next series will be at home against Georgia State uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So if you guys can go out and support them. Um, I know we kind of touched on them last episode. They had you know an unfortunate uh, loss against ULM mm-hmm. uh, that series. They lost 4-5. to five. Then they got run ruled, and then they won four to one. Um, you know, hopefully they can come out of Georgia State and uh, get a series win there. Again, all at home. So if y'all can go out, if you guys are in the area this weekend, I know it's Easter weekend and stuff like that. If you guys can go out and support them, by all means, try to go out there, try to, you know, root on your fellow Bobcats. So they, we will be re, 
recapping that series as well next week. Um, so transitioning from that, I also wanted to preview the Texas State track team because they will be they will be having a meet this weekend, the Charles Austin Classic, here in San Marcos, Texas, uh, April fifteenth on Friday and April sixteenth on Saturday. So when it comes to the track team, I think we all know the big the the biggest story coming out of there. I think, oh yeah. I think their biggest star this year has been Alyssa Wilson setting Definitely. school records left, right, and center. Um, coming into this this next meet, I mean, she's going to have all the eyes. But I think another person I wanted to touch on, too, was Dominic Yancey. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of been flowing a little bit under the radar, maybe not as much, but we all know Alyssa Wilson's been grabbing the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Texas State track team has been having a phenomenal year. Oh, yeah. Um, you know. I uh, as far me not being a local in this area, I've never really heard much of Texas State track, but they definitely are catching my eye this year, mm-hmm. just like most of the sports teams have been. Oh, so I course. wanted to get y'all thoughts real quick on them before we moved on. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you mentioned Dominic Yancey. We had to mention, um, you know, he earned the accolade of he at the LSU Invitational on Saturday. He ran a 45.87 in the 400 meter and that's the that place that first place time is actually 5th in the country for the fastest uh-huh. of the 400 and he is the only person in the past 34 years to break that 46 second mark for Texas State history and that was set by Daryl Hayden in 1988 with 45.24 seconds. So, um, you know, this that is crazy. we have and that's why Alyssa Wilson and and Dominic Gancy were Sunbelt players of the week. Uh-huh. Um, and for good reason. This Texas State track and field program is going off left and right. And if there's anybody at this Invitational this weekend that's going to be hot, it's going to be the Texas State Bobcats. It's here at home. Um, and it's just going to be an amazing performance. If you like hammer throwing, you're going to see Alyssa Wilson probably throw it across the whole entire, you know, the whole place. You know, she is just insane. She's breaking records left and right. you got Dominic Yancey, super fast, changing, breaking records left and right. So it's going to be something to see and something to witness here in, in San Marcos. So if you have the opportunity to visit it, you need to see this track meet because we're going to probably have more records broken left and right again. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. And I want to touch on this because – the name of this event is Charles. The Charles was it Charles Austin? Yeah, Charles, yeah, Charles Austin. Austin Classic. People, people need to realize that that man is a track legend. And what I mean by that is the man has won, I believe, who won a gold medal in the Summer Olympics in '96 in Atlanta. So, if he shows up, then they got to show out. And like mm-hmm. you said, Alyssa Wilson has been great. But I think, you know, if you're gonna have a track star show up, then you got to bring your A game mm-hmm. because. That man, if I'm not mistaken, he gold medal in the high jump, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I got to look at my stats again. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Alyssa Wilson has been great. And then, like you said, Dominic is doing absolutely great things. And, like I said, coming from a former track track athlete myself, mm-hmm. it's it's tough staying in track shape because there's a difference between staying, like, baseball shape football and then shape football and shape and then track shape. shape. Yeah, yeah there's, way, there's way difference. So, but for them to keep, keep – breaking records like they are right now it's insane and this this to uh, this meet will say a lot about them and what they have in this in this meet 
And I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the context of Charles Austin because, honestly, we have a track and field player, Charles Austin, from Texas State University, and he is now in the United States Track and Field Hall of Fame. He was mm -hmm. inducted in 2012. So if you have someone like that from this university go all the way and win gold medals in the Summer Olympics, then there's nothing preventing these girls, uh, Alyssa Wilson and Dominic Yancey, from getting in the same place. I want to see some Bobcats in the Olympic team. And if oh, we yeah. have national records getting broken left and right by someone named Alyssa Wilson, I believe she does solidify a spot on that. Absolutely. So I would love to see their performance continue, and they know if they have the pedigree. We have Charles Austin that came from this university, so there's nothing saying that these, you know, these two young, talented stars for the track and field team can't do the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what they can do, and I would love to see some, some Bobcats at a Summer Olympics. I don't know about y'all. No, I would. No, no, absolutely. And, um, uh, Kobe, you kind of touched on it. Uh, as being a former track athlete myself, any coach, all they ever want you to do is PR. No matter if oh, yeah. you're running, no matter if you're throwing, jumping, uh, whatever, whatever you're doing, all they ever want you to do is PR. Um, another pe another group of people that I wanted to bring up, Daniel Harold, and I apologize again, Sidikria Win. I'm I really am sorry that I butchered that name. Um, they both in the in the last track meet posted top ten score marks in their respective hurdle events. Mm -hmm. So like you like. Alyssa Wilson, Dominic Yancey, I think those are the two names that everybody keeps mentioning. But everybody across the board, top ten all time in your school for hurdles, like that that's great stuff. Mm -hmm. We love to see it. So again, April fifteenth and April sixteenth, Charles Austin Classic, Karen San Marcos. Go out and support those Bobcats whenever you can. I promise you you will not be missing out. That is um all for our Texas State news. <sighs> now we're going to transition into more national news. You you know what happened this this past this past you know Tuesday. We had a playing game for the NBA. We had two of them. Um, I'll i you know what we're gonna start on the East. We're gonna start on the East today. Of course, we're gonna start on the East because the Nets are now officially the seventh seed. Kyrie Irving, phenomenal game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, phenomenal game. Like you can't take anything away from him on that. So. I want to get y'all thoughts on what you felt about that game because I think I'm going to go a route that I don't think uh, everybody's really talking about, to be honest. Look, once we saw Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and Katie, and when they were starting to go off, I thought this team was going to be really hard to stop, especially at home. I've seen these superstars get hot, and they don't know how to turn it off. And this was the first time they both, KD and Kyrie, playing together, had double-digit assists together. First time they've ever done that. So this team is pretty hot, and a team that many want to see lose because they are a superstar team. I mean, that's my opinion. I don't like superstar teams, in my opinion. But I think Same the Cleveland here. Cavaliers, they kind of came out like we expected. They're a young team, and, and playoff experience is something you have to obtain. You don't just earn it right off the bat. You cannot just become a winner like that. So I think losing is actually beneficial for the Cavaliers in this situation, and they'll have an opportunity to play the winner uh, of the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets. And we also have to think about Brooklyn Nets now going to play the Celtics, which is an interesting series as itself, Kobe. Yeah, absolutely. And um you know, recapping this game, we we were always – I wouldn't say we were always hating on Brooklyn because of the stuff that was going on, you know, with James Harden getting traded and then obviously, you know, the whole fiasco with Ben Simmons not playing. But I think we kind of really saw the true colors of the Nets now with, you know, Durant going off like that and then obviously Kyrie shooting, what, 80% of the yeah, whole game? Insane. Yeah, like that's insane. So, you know, 
But like you said, they play Boston next. Another good series. And then no, it was no, it was the Bucks last year that they played against mm-hmm. each other, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be another tough team, tough opponent because Boston's not a sleeper, especially in the playoffs. You know, considering the fact that they've been there almost every year, almost. So. But I got to give a shout-out to Darius Garland for mm-hmm. Cleveland, for real. He he came to play. He balled. He did. He did, man. I just hate the fact that they had to go down like that. But, you know, shout-out to him. Shout-out to this Cleveland team. But they're not out of it yet because, and, you know, we'll see what happens in, uh, you know, tomorrow night's Eastern Conference game. But great great win for Brooklyn. I hope, you know, keep it uh, keep it going. And uh, let's see what they got, what they made in the playoffs, though. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought him up because that's exactly where I was going. I'm also going to go that uh, Karis, LeVert, Karis LeVert played 40 minutes and sold. Sold for them, 4 for 12 from the field. He, You watch that game, like, he, marketing wasn't wasn't as bad technically mm-hmm. because, see, I think he was giving a little bit more on the defensive end, but Laurie marketing and Karis LeVert, like, they sold. Kevin Love, you know, He's been there before. He knows. Oh, of course. Is. Playoff Rondo was a full effect. We we know what it is. But Karis LeVert and Marcus, even with them playing like that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it a buck. If Jared Allen was playing, they would have. They him. might. They might would have won. Yeah. Even with Kyrie doing all that, as stuff. close as the game was, seven yeah. seven game, and I think they brought it down to like four. Six. Or, oh what? No, it was four. Yeah, four. Yeah, four or something four. like that at one point. You know what I mean? I think if you had Jared Allen, because I like Evan Mobley, but rookie, he's not really a paint protector like Jared Allen is. Mm-hmm. All them shots they was getting in the paint, I don't think happens, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Karis LeVert selling like he did. But, um, <laughs> nah, Kyrie, Kyrie, he played great 12 for 15. Didn't miss it. I didn't. I, I think he didn't miss his first, like, 12 shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the case. Um, KD's KD. Uh, Bruce Brown, you know, gave uh, – Gave some contributions as oh, yeah. well. You know, their their team is good. They're about to go play Boston. I mean, it's going to kind of be the same thing. I said if Jared Allen was here, this might have been different. Mm-hmm. We're going to see what happens with Robert Williams because I don't know if he's coming back yet off mm-hmm. the rip. And that's their best probably paint protector. Yeah. So. You know, it's just with this series, this Brooklyn Nets, I mean, this game that we watched the Cavs and the Nets, you know, we don't really see the Nets as a defensive powerhouse team, mm-hmm. but it looked like they were. I mean, they held Isaac Okoro to zero points, and that was 13 minutes, and he usually averages 8.8 points a game. And then you had Seti Osman. He only has two points in 22 minutes of play, and he's usually averaging around 10 points a game. Yeah, now, Karis Silver got his 12 points off a of 30% shooting, and he only averaged, he averages 17. So that's a if – we, if these players were getting their averages, this score – would be a Cavaliers win if yeah. you're looking at it because yeah. you add those those averages that we're missing and that would have been a, a win and and we got to for, we keep forgetting and this is a thing a lot of NBA fans forget and a lot of analysts and people in media like us defense and offensive plans change drastically as yes, soon as the playoffs occur. Steve Kerr keeps his little coaching book all sealed and dainty until it comes to playoff <laughs> time, and he opens up that defensive plan that he wasn't showing anyone the whole se- the whole season. Why would you want to show the defensive plan that they can study with film? So they don't show it, they keep it secret, and they put it out here on the playoffs, and that's what makes the playoffs so fun, baby. And that's what makes people win and lose these games because they're not expecting those changes. Um, only reason I really brought up Karis LeVert mainly being the one who sold is because you watch that game that first that first half mainly that first quarter he was just oh, yeah. throwing up stuff mm-hmm. for like, sure yeah. like some of them okay you missed it wasn't a bad shot other ones I was like bro stop like run like, the offense like like take your please time. stop yeah. bro like what are you doing like it was it was it was getting annoying at at some point because I'm like bro 
Karis LeVert wasn't selling. The game would have been closer the entire way, and it ended up being a seven-point loss. Like, anything could have happened at that point. So that's the only reason I really come at Karis LeVert like that. I mean, I, lo- I love Karis LeVert. I think he's a great player. But um, remember, they got him because Colin Sexton got hurt. Yeah. And they got Rondo because Ricky Rubio got hurt. Mm-hmm. So, and then even then, losing Jared Allen late in the season, that's tough. So that's three of the original guys that were crucial to this team oh, yeah. not there. And they're still having a chance to make the playoffs. So shout out to them because nobody saw this coming from the Cavs at all. <laughs> shout out to their coaching staff. I really hope they don't miss it because I think, you know, I think they deserve to make it. You know, just because they were they weren't in the plane until Jared Allen got hurt. Mm-hmm. Literally, once he got hurt, they fell they off the games mm-hmm. because they lost him and Mobley at one point. And I'm sorry, C.D. Osman is not going to get it done for you <laughs> consistently. So, yeah, but shout out to them. Hopefully, you know, like I said, they win this next game, they make it because I want to see them there. I was really hoping they would beat the Nets. I was I was really wishful thinking, honestly. But hey, now we're gonna get a great series, Boston and uh, Brooklyn. We'll see if Boston folds then. I'm going to take – because I started believing in them. If they fold, I'm taking everything back. So, <laughs> taking everything back. So, now, I want, so now I want to transition to our last, top, our last topic of the day. Well, our last game of the day. We're going to preview some ones later. So, if you guys don't know, the Timberwolves beat the Clippers 109-104. 109-104. Um, I want to make sure I have the box score right in front of me because I don't want to lie about anything. <laughs> so, on the Clippers side, you know, Reggie Jackson shot 7 for 18, got 17 points. I was kind of expecting him to do a little better. Norman Powell did not get a shot in the second half because he had 14 points in the first half and didn't do nothing in the second. I don't know if that was offense or just I don't know if he didn't play or what, but he didn't get no touches. Uh, Terrence Mann had one field goal. Jesus. Yeah, so Paul George, you know, 34, did his little thing. Batum kind of was trash, but whatever. So I want to go to the Timberwolves side, and I think y'all know where I'm going. The Timberwolves won today. Won yesterday, I apologize. In spite, I want to make sure I'm clear, in spite of Carl Anthony Towns. Because the best player on that team, Anthony Edwards, showed up when it mattered most. There should be no reason a point guard, or I won't say a point guard, Patrick Beverly has more rebounds than you, offensive and defensive. There is no reason Patrick Beverly should be outperforming you, bro. No reason. With your main job, I'm sorry. Three for 11, five rebounds, three assists. Yes, he fouled out, but he wasn't doing nothing when he was in the game. He was 0 for 8 at one point, 0 for 7 at one point. So I just wanted to put that out there, but go, go, go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, when we need to touch on this game, there, there's so many different factors on why this became a Timberwolves win. And, and I truthfully believe that if you watch the game, you heard Ty Lue talking about how they wanted to shut down Cat, and that's what they did perfectly. You can watch his film and prevent him from getting into his spots because mm-hmm. he only has certain spots, and you can shut him down just like this, and he needs to expect this going into every playoff series because if he wants to be one of the most impactful players on this team, he's going to have to learn how to change his offensive plan to different defensive settings like we talked about the Nets 
Same thing's going to happen with the Clips. Now, here's what I got to say. Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell were the best players on this team. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, D'Angelo Russell getting 29 points, five rebounds, six assists, three steals. Are you kidding, baby? That's amazing. And then Anthony Edwards got to put 30 30 points, two assists, and one steal right there, and five rebounds. It's just they both were all out. And I think this was a statement game for Anthony Edwards, showing people what he's all about. Oh, yeah, and I'm telling sure. you, I have never been more excited for a series of my life. I'm watching the T-Wolves and the Grizzlies. I'm talking imp dunk, dunking on dunking. I don't care what you say. There's – okay, look, I know it's going to be Grizzlies in five. I love it. But I want, T <laughs> I want Anthony Edwards to try and show John Morant what he can do. Yeah, Anthony Edwards will get you a game. No, I'm talking about – I'm not talking about the series being like a close series at all. I'm just talking about I want to see the individual performances from Edwards and Morant. Oh, going yeah. Oh, okay, oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah, 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 they yeah, will be yeah, going of off. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm okay, saying. Okay, bet. Yeah, yeah. I there you see go. That. I want to see that too. I like Ant. Yeah. I like Ant. You know – I normally am sometimes right on the show, but I'm not going to be right this time. You were right. Thank very you. Unpack, very unimpactful. 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 Thank you. Only game. for that night. Yep. I mean, However, okay. they have a series to go. However, if we're going to preview Grizzlies, T-Wolves, it's definitely Grizzlies in seven, not seven, in five. <laughs> Excuse me. I know you were kind of freaked out a little bit, but. Just recapping the game alone, Cat was a non-factor, and some of the calls that they he did get were kind of clueless. If you watch the game, they were kind of, kind of clueless calls. But as you said, unimpactful. Yes, he was. You know, eleven point. What was it? Eleven points, three of eleven. He zero for two for 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 three point land. I mean, the best shooter, the best shooting big man ever. That I, guy. Look, that I, guy. Wait, hold on. I didn't say he was the best man, best big man to shoot threes. I didn't say that. I did not Somebody say that. did. It I didn't say the, that. It was in our group chat. Somebody it said it. It was not me. I didn't say that. He won the three point contest. Everybody but, went ballistic. Some but some of the calls he did get were kind of clue were kind of senseless because I don't understand how you can get six fouls before like what? About what was it? Like the eight third, minutes? Yeah. Third quarter? Yeah. yeah. That's that's just clueless. That just doesn't happen. Yeah, fouling was a huge issue, not just for him, but everyone on the team. Oh, it yeah. seemed like yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like I didn't know. I saw some of the fouls, and I was questioning a lot of them. I was like, I don't even know if that's really a foul. But you know, it just it this it shows that that team was playing with a lot of energy, and they're going to play physical, and I mean, they're going to get fouls. I mean, you say that though. Timberwolves had ten more free throw attempts. If we're keeping it a buck, like Timberwolves, uh, the Clippers went twenty for twenty-seven. Timberwolves went twenty-three for thirty-seven. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like. Was it really though? And then old boy had a plus or minus of fourteen, plus yeah. minus of my, negative fourteen mm -hmm. when he was on the court. So like I hear, like even if you want to give him the fouls, he was what was he zero for eight at halftime? Mm -hmm. Zero for seven, whatever it was. Like what you wasn't making your shots when you wasn't in foul trouble. So like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was playing like trash, yep. like horrendous garbage. So what about the two games we have tonight? I mean. You want to mention those? So those those two games that we got tonight, yeah, because uh, I just want to try to know Cat is trash. That, that, that's really my whole point with that. <sighs> now it's so tough because the Spurs and Pelicans is the one I'm looking at because I really, really did not want the Clippers to lose because I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm going to root for the Clippers or the Pelicans now. I will say this. Whoever wins out of the Pelicans and Spurs, I think deserves to be the eight seed. I think they okay. should win and be the eight seed. Because 
if the Clippers look like this against the the Timberwolves, they're getting swept by the Suns. So, <laughs> like, like the fact that they lost, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, eh, well, I'm off y'all now. Mm-hmm. So, whoever wins between Spurs and Pelicans, which is going to be tough because I love CJ and Jonas Valanciunas. Oh, yeah. But DeJounte Murray and Yekapoto down there are nice, too. So, it is tough, but I, I think I'm going to stick with my guns and go Pelicans. Well, you know me. I'm going to stay loyal. Yeah. Uh, you team. know me. Move I'm going to stay team. loyal to my team, to Absolutely. my Spurs. Absolutely. Absolutely. DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, like you said, Yaka Oh, yeah, Keldon Johnson's nice. Yeah. They, they're finally playing their brand of basketball, finally. It took them long enough, but finally they're – Back in the playoff contention, like they should be, you know. I know 2019 really wasn't the year when they got beat by the Nuggets, but that's a different story for a different day. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm gonna stay low. I'm gonna we'll go with my San Antonio Spurs to knock off the Pelicans. Here's it is right here. Listen, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, Devontae Graham. This Pelicans team is hot. They're fast. They're good. They're young. They got uh, Alvarado on there stealing your ball every time you're not looking. All I'm gonna say, sweetie, I'm sorry. I love. I love San Antonio. I love being a part of this area, but I'm going to say the Pelicans are going to get it. And I, I just think they're a faster, a higher, they're more talented basketball team. I think the Spurs, have they need to rebuild more and get to that point, but I don't think the Spurs would make it that far in the playoffs. I think the Pelicans would have a better chance of giving the Clippers a run for their money. And I want to see the Pelicans win this, and I want to see the Pelicans beat the Clippers as well because I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now we have to look at the east side now. We got, we got Atlanta and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. In my opinion in this one, it's going to be in Atlanta. It's going to be a tough game. For the Hornets, but I believe I saw the Hornets last year in the play and they could not get it done against the Pacers. And then I believe they have an opportunity this year. And I think LaMelo is doing great. And I would love to see some playoff LaMelo, and that'd be amazing to watch. But he's going to have to get past the Cavaliers, and that we, we have to mention. But um, I think the Hornets are going to get this win. They're going to upset the Hawks, and I'm going to see Trey Young go home early this year. What do y'all think? Maybe that's the hot take. I don't even know. Um, I mean, it's not because it's not like the Hawks have been playing fantastic. They so haven't. for me, this one is just like flip a coin. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm going to root for my guy, Scary Terry. I'm going to root for my guy, Miles Bridges. I'm going to root for eh, – I don't really care for LaMelo, but – yeah. Oh, Miles Plumley's on the team, so I'm a root for my guys. You know, former Plumlee. former former Nuggets centers. So, um, <laughs> I'm a root, I'm a root for the Hornets here, but they'll lose to the Cavs. So I, I I'm gonna go with the Hornets. Yeah, I mean, I think Trey Young. I like I like the guy, but he's just not ready for playoffs yet. You know, obviously, you know he owns the New York Knicks, and that's then that's sad to say. But you know, what has he done after that? What do you do? Get beat by what? Six games in the East semis? Uh, who? Uh, Trey? Yeah. Oh, they made it to the conference finals because Ben Simmons is trash. Did they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. That's trash. right. Okay, yeah. yeah. But my point is this LaMelo has been doing awesome this year. And I love Terry Rozier when he played in Boston. And I like him now when he played for the Hornets. So, but like you said, this is a flip of coin game. But as far as who has the better team, who's the better team, it would be Charlotte. But I won't be surprised if Charlotte gets knocked out. Yeah, against, I wouldn't be surprised. Against, yeah, against against Cleveland, I won't yeah. be surprised. So that's a that's a flip of coin. But um, yeah, so y'all heard it here. You know, uh, we'll be recapping. You know, the play in and the first round of the playoffs. You know, on Monday because the playoffs do start on Saturday. So we're gonna see what happens there. But thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Claws to the Wall. Leave a rating. 
Uh, leave a like, you know, comment. We want to hear what y'all thoughts are. I have been your host, Isaiah Garner. I was joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, uh, Kobe Jackson, Justin Brown. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. Go out and support your Texas State Bobcats, and we will catch y'all next time. Yeah.